Yeah, good thing you reminded me of recording because <laughs> I felt bad. We only had one last week because of just things that came up. But um, anyway, so tonight we're going to be um, uh, studying the second half of the atonement. And so there on, on page 45, uh, just kind of starting with with first Nephi. But uh, any uh, comments or questions or anything before we just kind of dive into to some of these? Anything that you found really cool that you want to make sure that we talk about? If not, we'll... that question, but it's probably has to do more with last week. So I'll just throw it out there and then let's just yeah. dive in and then maybe get back to it. Okay. But it was the ministry of reconciliation. I don't think I'd ever heard that, um, those words that together that way before. Yeah. So if I, you know, if I've just been very sh unobservant, but that was just something from Corinthians, the ministry of reconciliation. I thought, what is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very interesting, isn't it? Um, so yeah, let's let's tackle that right now. Um, so the Second Corinthians five eighteen um, talks about that, and it says, "And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself." So we're not being reconciled to Christ; we're being reconciled to God. Right. And it's by Jesus Christ. So, um, and hath given to us. So who's giving us this thing? Is it is it God or is it Christ? I think that's an interesting question to ask ourselves there. Um, given uh, to us the ministry of reconciliation. So again, kind of with that in mind, let's read it again. And all things are of God. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. I think it's God that's given it to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if that's the case, what does the ministry of reconciliation do? And, and why is it given to us and not to Christ? Because it, it kind of seems like that's his jurisdiction, right? So he's reconciled us to himself, but then turned around and said, now is given to you this this ministry of, of reconciliation as well and so to me it really sounded a lot like um isaiah's ladder and um once we have been saved that we turn around and save others and we help others on their covenant path and and help them be reconciled to god by and through jesus christ but but it's our job to um help perpetuate that uh you know once we've partaken of the fruits turn around and, and beckon others to to do that as well okay, but I that think makes that sense cameron because um the word ministry i think that makes perfect sense because once the plan which has been laid from the foundation of the earth which is through jesus we can be reconciled and only through jesus he has given us the ministry of reconciliation, which is like the whole process and program that we are then able to help others with, like you said. Mm. I wondered what that I wrote in the corner. What does that look like on the ground? And I think that's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would uh, answer to, to that, that it, it looks like the gathering of Israel. You know, like President Nelson has said, anytime that we uh, help anyone on either side of the veil, 
progress and make covenants and, and get on the covenant path or um, uh, make additional covenants with, with God that we are gathering in us, uh, Israel. And so, uh, you know, like the, the ministering program, uh, that ministry of, of reconciliation, and a lot of that has to do with Davidic covenants and, and helping people in um, uh, all up the, the ladder, just kind of thing. Yeah, anytime we're proxy saviors for to help people to come into Christ and to help in that gathering. Mm-hmm. And it has, I think it has the feeling of being very large in scope. Oh, yeah. Lots, lots of different ways of being able to minister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Cameron. That really helped that. Um, so let's see. That that first reference there in First Nephi uh, eleven. Um, it, that one's kind of hard to study out of context. It's like you need the whole <laughs> vision of the tree and and the whole interview there that's that's happening, but. <laughs> Um, this one's just, uh, you know, a specific two verses here where he is shown that the Lamb of God, that he was taken by the people and was judged of the world, and that Nephi saw and bear record of it. And I, Nephi, saw that he was lifted up on the cross and slain for the sins of the world. And so, you know, uh, very interesting. What I hadn't necessarily considered all of the people that have actually seen the atonement that weren't contemporaries with him in Judea, right? That many of these prophets are given this cosmic vision or this panoramic vision um, and and given the opportunity to view it as if they were there. And um, I mean, the latest one that has said it like point blank is Bruce R. McConkie, that that he has seen that vision as well. Um, But there's many of, of the prophets and even many people that were are given that that same um, and it's and... interesting with nephi um christ hasn't even been born yet and yet exactly. he's able to see that but it just shows you that um time is different for mm-hmm. um different than where we are here because they're able to see see we we view time as linear and it's not for them it, i mean it they can go forward and backward and just about anywhere mm-hmm. yeah and so i think that that's a a huge one um because we have a few of the Old Testament prophets that that kind of do the same, but but not very many that are actually pointing forward and saying, "Hey, this is what I saw. I saw the cross. I saw Jesus uh, in all of uh, the different aspects of the atonement." But um, Book of Mormon definitely makes it clear that that they were seeing this vision very uh, specifically. Um. So the the one in Second Nephi two seven. This one's really interesting. Because if you let me just read it and try to uh, figure out what kind of uh, poetic pattern we're, we're talking about here. So it says, Behold, he offereth himself a sacrifice for sin, 
to answer the ends of the law unto all those who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit and to none else can the ends of the law be answered and so looking at that i don't know i, I think i've just trained myself so <laughs> deeply to, to recognize chiasmus but um that's that's a very beautiful one um that that points us to a, a few different uh qualities there but um so let, let let's do that dive let me pull up a screen real quick that we can chart out a, a chiastic interesting i did not notice that but it does have a chiastic structure so verse seven all right so where are some repeating phrases or words or concepts that are in verse seven there definitely to answer the ends of the law mm -hmm. Let's highlight that one and answer the ends of the law. Whoops. <laughs> My fingers are still frozen from working outside. All right. And then what other things are repeated here? So we have unto I think is kind of where this one does a, a repeating pattern here. So if we were to start uh, charting this out and putting these into a, a simple ABBA structure, maybe we there we go so behold he authoreth himself a sacrifice for sin to answer the ends of the law and then we go through this other thing and it uh, culminates in the ends of the law being answered so even the the phrase um or the the different parts of the the kaya's um <laughs> my words okay even the different fins of the chiasm are, are in themselves chiastic and forwards and backwards which is kind of an interesting one um but we have this unto so it says unto none else and so that's really pointing us back to this being the center of of the chiasm um, can you put me on mute oh yep there you go So Christ offers himself a sacrifice for sin, but it seems to be a specific group of people that receive it by the law. And so it says to unto all those who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit, and to none else can the ends of the law be answered. So for me, that was really interesting, taking a look at... Um, because we know that the atonement is is applied to everyone, right? It's a universal sacrifice for all of uh, mankind, uh, even all of nature and and everything, all of his creations. And so what can we learn or pull out from this chiastic structure that helps us realize or understand um, the importance of a broken heart and a contrite spirit? 
Do we have to have that in order to actually apply the atonement to our lives? Or what, what is Nephi saying here? What, what do you guys think? And, and my mom's totally gone. <laughs> she must got that phone call. Well, um, well, I'm wondering. Um, that is very intriguing to to ponder. Um, I'm wondering the ends of the law, which would be the the justice part. So. He's offered himself to answer for justice mm -hmm. but to all those who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And unto none else can the ends of the law or justice be answered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm. that's very interesting. And so one thing that's not in um, this specific uh, topical guide study, but if you go and continue on, in that chapter, because the whole chapter is very chiastic. There's lots of overarching chiasms and uh, littler ones in here. But if we take, um, where is my verse 10? We also have some interesting uh, repeated patterns here. So judged according to the truth, wherefore the ends of the law we again see that. And then to answer the ends of the atonement, which is an interesting um, thing to bring in there as well. Mm -hmm. To the truth and holiness, wherefore. So if we were to again. the Holy One hath given unto the inflicting of the punishment which is affixed. Which punishment that is affixed, so uh, we see that it's starting to repeat there. Let's put that one in a different color. So like you were saying with the, the justice, and, and here we have the, the judgment kind of being pulled in. Um, so it says, wherefore the ends of the law, which the Holy One hath given unto the afflicting of the punishment, which is affixed, which punishment that is affixed is in opposition to that of the happiness, which is affixed. And so there's um, that, that justice, right? Like, um, when, when we, when we sin, we receive the the cursings of the the law, and when we obey, then we receive the the blessings of that law. Mm -hmm. and, and then there's that that happiness which is affixed, and so um, we can kind of see that this broken heart, um, being with the the punishment that is affixed, and then a contrite spirit. Um, with the happiness which is affixed. 
in order to an answer the ends of the atonement. So is that the way you saw it? I actually saw the broken heart and the contrite spirit as being happy. Oh, uh huh. Yeah. I don't know why, but I saw both of those together as being an ingredient of happiness because I feel this is me speaking personally, and I'm totally open to being taught. But for me, I'm always the happiest when I'm in a place of humility. There's something so good and so whole in knowing your place with God. Mm -hmm. There's such a holistic healing wholeness in that, that for me, that equals happiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that that my version's uh, right or anything. So, uh, yeah, taking that and, and and putting it with that that happiness, which is affixed. Um, but yeah, and so if you if you do a word study and um, on the ends of the law, it, it's very interesting taking that, especially through the Old Testament, because we're we're looking a lot at the the law of Moses and how the um, Christ says that he comes to, um, fulfill that. to fulfill that. Yeah. And so that, that atonement is a key one here and keep in mind, this is still second Nephi. This is before he's even came. Um, right. and really the beginning of verse seven, not that this is chiastic because there's a lot of scriptures in between, but he offereth himself, which is the atonement. So verse seven is beginning with the atonement and verse 10 is ending with the atonement mm -hmm. the um for me the punishment would be um when you're kind of in a state of denial about your standing with god you're i think there's an element of pride that you can handle your life you're okay you don't really need to depend on him mm -hmm. so i think that that the sort of justice part and the punishment is is not being able to experience a broken heart and a contrite spirit mm. it's like there's something really missing from your life if you haven't been able to get down on your knees and realize how much you depend on heavenly intervention and help mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, sorry, I'm, I'm just kind of reading through here and stuff on some of that that's so interesting of some of these these patterns and, and how it relates to, to what you were just saying. I love that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we were to chart out each one of these, <laughs> we could be here a whole year. <laughs> it makes me worry about people that I know who are of the born-again persuasion. If I'm not mistaken, the way they described it to me, is that all you have to do is say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, and then that, that, that's the end of it. That's all you have to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm not familiar with like any in-person, but that's, that's also what I've heard, but, uh, yeah, I can't attest to that, but, um, I mean, that's a, a great 
first step, it, it seems like, right? Like <laughs> accepting him in our lives. But great um, step. Some of the best people I know are of that persuasion. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting. Uh, last week and this week, going through all of these scriptures on the atonement and and really looking at the role of um, grace and mercy works and, uh, and just how all of those things uh, are kind of two sides of the same coin, but yet um, sometimes we can only see one or the other in, in our different faith traditions, right? Because sometimes we get so caught up as as Latter-day Saints in it's all about works and and sometimes we forgo the the atonement and the mercy that that is extended. Like, it can yeah, I, do, I do think we tend to err on that side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we get really caught up in works and then we kind of forget how wonderful it feels to experience grace. Mm -hmm. That is actually very humbling because we're so about works that when you realize, wow, I am experiencing grace. This is not about me. It's very humbling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, mm -hmm. were you done with that one? I wanted to talk kind of about... Uh, second Nephi 11 5 mm -hmm. and also uh, DNC 76 those ones they're in conjunction with each other okay which page on darling so 46 um it's second Nephi 11 5 oh, okay and they mentioned the the covenant covenants anyway it says and also my soul delighteth in the covenants of the lord which he hath made to our fathers and and it goes on to um yea my soul delighteth in his grace and in his justice and power and mercy in the great and eternal plan of deliverance from death and so that made me think, and, and Cameron and I discussed this mm -hmm. uh, at some point. I can't remember when it was, but um, about the covenants uh, of our fathers. What, what, what does that look like? And what fathers are we talking about there? And I think it probably started with Adam with the new and everlasting covenant, because he has made that covenant. And then uh, Noah uh, renewed that covenant. And anyway, it was interesting. And then we go to um, PNC 76, and it's talking about um, through Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And um, I don't know if I can get all my words straight here to explain what I'm thinking here. But it was interesting, our, our temp, new temple president, he gave a devotional about a month ago, and he drew this chart out 
And it was so beautiful. And it made me understand some of the stuff. And he had the new and everlasting covenant is what uh, Adam made with uh, the father. And he said, that's what Adam used. And that's what um, Noah did. And then he, and he put that on the left-hand side of the page. And over on the right-hand side of the page, he put the Abrahamic covenant. And he said that was Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had that covenant. And then in the middle, he said, this is what we have. And I forget what he called it exactly, but it's the, the greater law, the higher priesthood it, that we we follow uh, since Christ has been um, he gave it since he gave what did his atoning sacrifice anyway and then he finished up and said okay that the middle is what we use today and that on the right was Abraham in his day and this and they called it the Abrahamic covenant and and Adam, they called it the new and everlasting covenant. He says all three of those are the same thing. They're just called different, but they're the same thing. And so when it talks about this covenant, it, it made it more clear to me what the heck that really was. Um, so, and in the ceilings, you know, it talks about the new and everlasting covenant in the ceiling session. And, but it's, it's the same, all three of those are the same thing. Mm -hmm. Just made it a lot clearer for me, but I didn't explain that very well. But yeah, it's interesting in that second Nephi reference there, that Nephi, his soul is delighting in the covenants that were made to the fathers. So like, typically we would, I don't know, it kind of seems a little bit I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I would tend to delight in my own covenants, uh, you know, as I'm making covenants with the Lord's, but, but he's delighting in the covenants of the Lord, which, which the Lord hath made to our fathers. My soul delighteth in the grace and, and all of these different things. But um, it's interesting taking a look at that chapter in its context and everything, that the covenants that were made to the fathers were specifically for the, the Nephites and for the posterities um, down clear until the, the second coming that these fathers are being able to see forward and prophesy and are covenanting with the Lord. Hey, my posterity is going to go through this and I want to covenant on their behalf in order to help save them. And um, all of it is done under the umbrella of the, the new and everlasting covenant, um, even though it takes different forms and, and names at, at times. But, um, but interesting how Nephi is, is really explaining it or putting it into words that, that all of this, justice, power, mercy, the great and eternal plan of deliverance from death is, is due in part, well, I'll do in part, it, it hinges upon these covenants that the fathers made with, with the Lord. And um, I don't know, it, it brought up a whole lot of, of nuance to me of um, 
how Christ's atonement fulfills so many different things. Um, again, I'm not explaining it that well either. <laughs> it makes sense <laughs> in my brain. But um, yeah, like with, with Enos, right? Like he goes and he covenants on behalf of his people um, for their protection and salvation. Uh, Mormon, Moroni, all of these Book of Mormon prophets are prophesying forward and saying, my posterity, the posterity, the Nephites are going to dwindle in unbelief and, and we want to save them. We want to make covenants uh, for in their behalf so that they can come back and, and receive these things at the end. Um, and we don't have anybody that's done that for us. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cared. <laughs> well, though so the the thing is, I it sounds like like Adam and his he's doing it for his posterity, and Abraham's doing it for his posterity, and these others are doing it. It sounds like Davidic covenants, does it not? They're making. Davidic covenants on behalf of their posterity. And I think Enoch is probably the, the greatest example of that. His city mm -hmm. making a collective group covenant on behalf of us. They said they are going to struggle so much right at the latter part of the last days that that we want to come help. And uh -huh. how do we do that? You know, uh -huh. so like, okay, so there's a something called translation, you know, that hasn't been in effect before, but we want that so that we can come help in person. So we're going to do whatever it takes and we're going to covenant with the Lord so that we can come and help in person with the end time struggles that, that these people are going to be having. Wow. So I'm starting to see this a little bit even more clear, but I don't know if I can say it more clear, but we do have someone that made that covenant for us, and that's Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And it was a Davidic covenant that he did, but he made it for all of us. Mm -hmm. It's the big. It's the big overarching one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All other covenants are just under the umbrella. Yeah, appendages to that. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Even our individual covenants, um, just covenanting with the Lord for our personal um, obedience or sacrifice, anything is uh, under that umbrella, aiding in um, his overarching sacrifice that only he could have done. Mm -hmm. And then the, that kind of falls back into this ministry of reconciliation where we're allowed to do on a smaller level to be uh, proxy saviors and do Davidic covenants for our our posterity and for our ancestors and stuff. So we get to be play a part in this as well. Cam, and your dad raised his hand. Oh, sorry. Yeah, what you got? Don't be sorry. It's not very often this happens. Um, you know, you talk about the Davidic covenant and uh, Adam did it for his posterity. And um, uh, I don't know who it was that made the comment, you know, well, who's doing it for us? I think Joseph Smith did it for us. And if you listen to uh, President Nelson, in a bunch of his talks lately, I think he's doing it for us. 
Yeah, I do too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like with Wendy Nelson's uh, one in, um, what's, I can't even think of the name of the town now, Lethbridge, um, in her Lethbridge talk of, um, if we only knew the, the sacrifice and the, um, the attacks that the brethren put in to even give their words to us, um, like they're, they're making sacrifices and sacrifices are always uh, associated with covenant. We don't just make sacrifices willy nilly. Otherwise we just succumb to things. And so when we're making sacrifices, those are um, covenants with uh, the Lord and yeah, I believe our, our leaders are understand how all that works and, and are doing it on our behalf constantly. As we should be doing as well. That's a very good point. Yeah, and with like Joseph Smith sacrificing it even uh, his own life in order mm -hmm. to, to seal his testimony of, of all of this. Right, he and his brother. Yeah. Um, just wondering which scriptures to <laughs> go to next. Any others that, that really stood out to you? Well, this might just be such a bird walk that it's off the <laughs> trail, but in the next uh, verse and from Jacob, the word that jumped out at me because I've been trying, because of the image in my dream of the fruit, I've been focusing on fruits. Mm -hmm. So I decided to do a search on that and it took me to Exodus 22, 29. And it says, thou shalt not delay to offer the first of thy ripe fruits and of thy liquors. The firstborn of thy sons shalt thou give unto me. And I thought, Oh, was that part of the law of Moses? Did they consecrate their first, always their firstborn son? So this is kind of off topic, but it did pique my curiosity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your question specifically being, did they always <clears throat> consecrate their firstborn son? Well, it says the firstborn of thy sons thou shalt give unto me. Mm-hmm. And that's the Exodus. We have a few different examples that are pointedly that, right? Where, where right. Hannah right. Is, is consecrating Eli. And, right. And then there's Samuel. But um, I, I had never considered all of them. I didn't either. So that, that caused a question mark over my head. And I thought, I wonder if anybody knows more than I do about that. Mm -hmm. And is that kind of like the overarching type for the, the feast of first fruits that, that happens in, in the spring? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we're, we're definitely doing that in, in our, our husbandry and um, with the, the lambs and, and everything, but like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it talks yeah. about the, uh, likewise with thy oxen and thy sheep. So that might be referring to the first fruits because that's what it, that's what led me there was the word first fruits. And then I did a search on that scripture and it took me to Exodus. And um, I don't know that they actually all gave their sons. Maybe it was simply a willingness mm -hmm. you know, that was sufficient. But it said, the firstborn of thy sons shalt thou give unto me. 
Yeah. And which verse was that in 29, did you say? Yes, it was in Exodus 22, 29. Yeah, I've never considered that before. I'm going to have to go take a look at that in context. And if you come up with something, because you're always good at making connections, <laughs> you know where to find me. <laughs> now I won't interrupt the flow of your class any longer. <laughs> it's kind oh, of a bird oh. walk. <laughs> but yeah, that's so interesting. It was uh, one thing that was interesting through all of these verses was how many are referring and clarifying the role of the atonement in a child's life. Um, and a lot of them come from the second half here. Um, that Mosiah 316 one. Ugh, now I'm going to put myself on the spot and <laughs> try to go through my notes, which yeah, there was the DNC one. It seemed like there was three or four in here talked about how the atonement covers the children but i didn't know we had that many scriptures about it <laughs> i i don't know sometimes i i reveal how little of a gospel scholar i am <laughs> well this is an opportunity to look at so many scriptures yeah. kind of glumped together like we don't usually do that mm -hmm. yeah so moroni eight twenty. And then um, DNC 74.7, the three that I can see right off the bat. It seemed like there was one more, though. And maybe it was in the block last week. But anyway, uh, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of the um, how many of these were really emphasizing the, the blood that, that Christ is, is atoning with and, and the importance of him condescending to our level, becoming mortal, having that blood and offering it uh, upon the altar kind of a thing. There are so many verses that were really emphasizing and, and pointing out the significance of that. Yeah, DNC 1811 uh, reflects on that. Mm -hmm. I was just looking at that. It's interesting, I, I don't know. I haven't done this study yet, but um, when I was uh, looking at DNC 38.4, um, anytime that the word virtue comes up, because that's not a really common like Hebrew word in, in our canon of scriptures, but um, it's just, so every time it pops up, I I, I think of the, the few instances when, when we're using that, but um, it's interesting that by the virtue of the blood, which I have spilt, have I pleaded before the father for them. And so like where the, I guess the more popular or more common story of the woman with an issue of blood, but it, he turns around and says that virtue has gone from me. It's not like the greatest translation of that. He he actually says energy has went from me um, in the Hebrew, but but that virtue, I think it it still applies that there's this this virtue or energy in the blood, the life giving force that goes out from him, but that the the healing of of the woman there in the New Testament is a foreshadow of that same blood actually going from him, flowing from him in order to heal us. The, 
us being the woman with an issue of blood, like we are mortal, we are the church, we are in this fallen state and, and we can't heal ourselves. Like we're, we're going to deal with this. How many years did she have that? I mean, I, I can't remember the, the actual years on it, but um, we are the one, we are the woman with an issue of blood. And all we have to do is touch the hem of his garment, which the hem of his garment is the, the priesthood, which he holds. Right. And, and that by doing so, the virtue that's in his blood will flow to us through that. Um, and anyway, that is a really good point because I think there is really a connection between virtue and blood. Mm -hmm. It goes out of him. And do you recall the Todd McLaughlin discussion on, um, on how we live in a murder to get gain paradigm and that was changed through christ but that all of us are supporting ourselves on the blood of others he held up his iphone and said for me to have the privilege and the convenience of this device i am living off of the blood of some person in china who put this together for me so the idea of the energy and blood the life is in the blood so he was imparting a, a portion of his life force in order to heal. That makes total sense. Yeah. And so that's, that's one study that I want to do is compare whichever verse, I don't have that on the tip of my tongue, but uh, the woman with the issue of blood and really do a cross study with DNC 38.4 and, and really tie the two together. Um, because there's a lot of, of links in in there, um, and, and possibly even in, in the whole of Section 38. But uh, you know, that was just really interesting, and it gave me a new insight or imagery to, to think about um, connecting myself with, with the woman and, and the healing that can take place through the blood. Like, the blood is so much more than I ever thought when I was growing yeah. up. <laughs> um, it, it is really something because with the blood, we only have blood here on, in mortality. After we don't pre-mortally, we don't after this. It's just flesh and bones. We don't have the blood. It's just for mortality. And it's interesting that Christ had to come to earth into mortality in order to do that big sacrifice for us. So there's something really important about the blood part. I don't know that I understand it fully. In fact, I can guarantee you I don't. But I'm starting to realize that there's really more to it the blood that, that he had to descend to come to mortality in order to do that sacrifice on our level where we have blood mm -hmm. uh, anybody has any thoughts on that i'd love to hear it <laughs> Um. So in um, DNC, uh, the 76, 
it talks about um, these, of course, it's dot, 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 so I don't know exactly what it says, but these are they who are just men made perfect through Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, who brought out this perfect atonement through the shedding of his own blood. And I was just wondering, um, and in Moroni 10, 33, on the other page, it talks about through the grace of God, um, you can become perfect in Christ. So um, what is just men made perfect? Refresh me on that, Cameron. I know you know. <laughs> That's a can of worms. Uh, there's, there's a lot there, but... Um... So as we get our, our calling and election made sure and uh, and are made perfect through his blood, because, you know, like the, the commission, as we talked about in lectures on faith and everything, where um, be ye therefore perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect, that it is obtainable, but we can never do it ourselves. Like, we, that's where the works come in, but then um, the, the grace is applied in order to actually grant us that, that ability uh, or that, that the grace of perfection there. And so the, the just men made perfect, um, attaining to a level of righteousness in which they are guaranteed or um, given the promise of it. And, um, but it's all through the grace because no matter how many works we do, we're always going to, to fall oh, short sure. if in a natural man's state. But there is an opportunity. That's why it, uh, we have so many scriptures um, commending to us the, the quest for perfection. We are to seek to be perfect, but knowing that we will always fall short is, is the humility that we need in order to receive that, that promise that, that the Holy Comforter can, can grant. So we, know always, we know we'll always fail in our quest. Mm -hmm. So it's through like the Moroni's chapter, it's only through the grace of God mm -hmm. that we can achieve um, anything. Yes, but it is obtainable here on this side of the veil. We can receive it on the other side, but that, that it is obtainable. Um, you know, like DNC 129, that one comes to, to mind where um the 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 testing of the angels right some are going to appear and uh you hold out your hand and um there's three different ones uh well kind of four but three different ones lined out in that scripture and one of them one of the categories is a just men made perfect um these ones are not going to deceive it's not in their nature to deceive they have obtained a perfection that um they are on the Lord's errand and, and they will not, um, they can't fall from that kind of a thing. I don't know if that answers your question at all, but that's, that's my understanding. Yeah, no, I think it helps. You always have a good way of um, describing things. <laughs> I don't know. Um, any others that, that really stood out? Sorry, I have I've kept everyone a long time. <laughs> we kind of got started late, but.
But yeah, this has been such a fun section to to really dive into. I, you know, some of these seem really basic. You know, as you're looking through the the topical guide entries, and you're like, hmm, it's interesting that we have lots of different verses on that. But um, especially atonement, I, I thought I kind of knew the atonement, but there's a lot of nuances here that have really been brought to light and and things to study and, and avenues to go down to ever increase in our knowledge and uh, reverence of um, Christ's sacrifice for us. This is interesting. I was just reading it. Lindsay Robbins, The Righteous Judge. It's in that box. And unwillingness to sacrifice as part of our penitence mocks or belittles Christ's greater sacrifice for the same sin and trivializes his suffering, a callous sign of ingratitude. On the other hand, through the sweet irony of sacrifice, we actually gain something of eternal worth, his mercy and forgiveness, and eventually all that the Father hath as part of the repentance process. Sacrifice also acts as a healing balm to help replace remorse of conscience with peace of conscience. Without sacrifice, a person may find it hard to forgive himself or herself because of a lingering consciousness of something withheld. So I think that that's very interesting how important sacrifice is as the principle um, for all of us. Not just the great sacrifice, but all the sacrifices that we are willing to make. Yeah, I love that. Sacrifice is, is such a huge principle for us to, to really learn and grow into in this life. Mm -hmm. Um, so for next week, actually, <laughs> this is something that I, I've been on the fence about and stuff, but I might make a decision. So, um, next week is Avraham's Q&A at 7 p.m. And so we're going to be canceling the, the evening class that time, but I think because we, there's like so many different interruptions, something came up on the 11th and something came up on the 13th. And we weren't going to do it. So I think actually tonight will be our, our last night um, for the year. And then we will we'll pick back up January 3rd. Okay, so cancel uh, for the 6th, 13th, 20th, and 27th. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because um, the last two weeks of December are obviously going to be chaotic with, with people coming in and going and stuff like that. But since we are having uh, quite a few interruptions like next week and in the next, let, let's just hold off. And that anyway. just on the Tuesday class or is that on all of your classes? Yeah, that'll be all of them. Okay. Yeah. So we'll just pick back up in, in January, get going again. Sometimes I, I kind of forget how busy December really is. <laughs> After Thanksgiving, it's kind of a free for all, isn't it? But yeah. Um, 
and so I'll I'll send out an email and everything and, and let everyone know like what we'll be studying and and everything January third. Um, that will be the authority of Jesus Christ. And that should just be a one weeker, right? We'll start this up in January then. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll do chapter nine on January third. And I did everything in alphabetical order because we're going to be going to his baptism after that betrayal. It looks like it's very much. Uh huh. Yeah. Other than the life summary that was at the beginning. Uh huh. And then um, the last, I think it's fifty-five through fifty-nine. Those ones are all kind of out of order because they're not in the original. But yeah, everything else is. Um, alphabetical order just like it's in the topical guide right because the birth is chapter 12 his birth all right well super fun <laughs> sorry we got sorry it's a late prior to well when football was in season <laughs> we were getting home at three because our uh workmates had to to get home for football and practice and everything but now that it's winter and and they don't have that like oh man we're staying so late at night <laughs> I, I didn't plan that very well but um anyway so hopefully by january i'll i'll get a good system <laughs> figured out that, but that won't be an issue but yeah all right everyone well well we'll see y'all next year wow. <laughs> I'm sure we'll we'll all kind of cross paths and stuff on Facebook and, and things until then. But anyway, have a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that fun jazz. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get to talk to you before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you, Cameron. Yeah. Good night, everyone. <laughs>